0: Hello and welcome to Grace Life Douris. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello and welcome back to week three of Christmas. Can't believe it, next week is Christmas. Well, actually, kind of like... Yeah, next week, next week, Monday is Christmas. I want to say this week, but it's next week. So I hope you're as excited as we are. And it's been such a blessing sharing the reality of the Christmas message. And I feel like we've just begun and now Christmas is done. But I feel like this every year, like there's so much to receive out of these precious, precious scriptures about Christmas that I might just continue all the way through the new year, speaking about these familiar, sometimes too familiar scriptures. As I love to say during Christmas, let's remind ourselves that this is not a fairy tale. This is not part of uh, Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and all the Christmas trees and Christmas balls and lights and stuff. But this is really a reality that we are to experience during Christmas season um, about God giving us the greatest gift of all time, and that is salvation, God making salvation possible for man to be reconciled to himself so that we may receive eternal life. and what a wonderful gift and so, as we get into this, uh, let 's grab you can grab a notebook, a pen and um, possibly put on your Christmas lights in the house i 've got some as well, and a Christmas tree for the kids um, as a reminder of who Jesus is, you know, and what we celebrate as Jesus. But uh, as you do that, get yourself ready and I will pray for us. So Father, we want to thank you as we get into this, that you are the one revealing yourself to us and uh, you are the one who carries this message into our hearts through your spirit because you are the only one who can do that, speaking to our hearts. And We praise you for that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. So if you've got your Bible with you, I would like you to open today. Last week, we didn't really open in the scripture. This week, I want us to, I was more quoting them from the notes, but today I want you to actually turn to this and let's read together. And I think for Christmas season or so far, I've only been speaking about one encounter and that is the angel with, with Mary. And we've been looking at it much deeper than uh, just reading it as a, a story. Um, we've actually been looking at it as a truth. And so in Luke 1, we see from verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. departed from her. Wonderful. Let's go through it verse by verse, line by line, and then we're going to summarize with conclusions about this. So we continue from last week. If you missed last week, please do go back and listen to that. Even go back to the first, very first Christmas one. Very good. Shane kicked us off with this series. So behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. Now I have heard a lot of funny, weird things about what happens here. Please do not think. That God is involved in any ridiculous um, act of whatever that you've heard. There's nothing like that. The it's the angel is saying, "Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name his name Jesus." Now we know that she's a virgin, so how shall this be? How shall it take place? So let's start with the word conceive and bear a son. Now, it's interesting. The same word here that's that's translated, you're conceived, is also used in different scriptures to refer to taking captive or to clasp. Now, isn't that a great image to have of someone who conceives? What are they doing? The seed, the body is taking the seed and captive, it, it's keeping it captive. It's clasping that seed until it becomes what it needs to become. Um, or more until it manifests what it is, is a baby, you know. And in Isaiah 9 verse 6, we have another scripture that the angel is saying here, um, you will bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. And in Isaiah 9 verse 6, it says this, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, go and look at those titles and see what they mean when you have some time. But what we see here is that this is, again, the angel is using Scripture and promising that that which was spoken in old is now being fulfilled in um, in the new. And so we see here the word Jesus as well, which is, um, according to most sources, it is also the same name as Yeshua, or Yehoshua. And uh, it means salvation. And God is the one who works salvation. This is basically the point is that God himself works salvation. As we have in 1 John 4, we see there references that God is love. It's not something he gives separately from himself it is who he is by nature he is love and we see it in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says love is patient kind that means it's the essence of what love does or what love is and in the same way we also have this with this word that God is salvation like what he is when you touch him you come in contact with salvation when you touch him, you come in contact with love. Isn't that wonderful? Okay. He himself is to be the gift that saves. He's not just sending someone separate from himself. He himself is now bringing salvation, the essence of love. This is the same name that's given also to Joshua, who we read about in the Old Testament. And he was to take the people that was following him as a leader, he was to take them into the promised land. He was then taking them out of the wilderness, the place of unbelief, into a land which was promised where they would become a whole new um, nation. Isn't that interesting? That's a shadow. Do you see it? Joshua was a shadow of what Jesus actually was really doing. He, through Jesus, through salvation that God was Um, bringing into the earth the ultimate salvation, eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. We see this shadow in the old, which is Joshua, who took people from a place of unbelief into a new creation, into a whole new place. And so this is the same for us when we put our faith and trust in, in Jesus in God's way of bringing salvation. Now we see another title given, the angel continues speaking about the son who would be born. And he says, he will be great And will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Now, this is a direct fulfillment of the prophecy given in Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 7. So if we read a bit further, we see from verse 7, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Isn't this incredible? From verse 6 to verse 7, it's all speaking about what God will do through sending this salvation, through being salvation to man. You saw, see, salvation is a work of God. It is who He is. He is the Savior and what He does. Be very careful though, however, that we do not in reading this separate Jesus and God too much. Okay? This is, this is always the, the difficult thing when we're trying to explain Jesus and God in a way doesn't need to be difficult. We just need to stop putting everything in boxes like what we love to do. Because in 1 John, uh, in John 1 verse 14, John makes it clear who Jesus is. He says, let's read it for ourselves, not just from the notes. John 1. Okay, and we read in verse 14, and this is what it says. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. What became flesh? The Word. The Word, which was from the beginning, God's Word, so himself becomes flesh. Jesus is God putting on flesh. That's why Jesus could say in John 14, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Very important. Don't separate it too much. This is, this should make you think immediately of Genesis, where, um, all of this should make you think of that. But Genesis, in Genesis 1, we see that the earth is void and formless and dark. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is moving over the earth. And God speaks the word and the Spirit creates. Now we're going to talk about that. But that's already Trinity, if we want to call it Trinity. You see God in in himself expressed in these three persons. Okay, but it is God. He is God. <laughs> One but three persons, one one being. Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for this reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. So he shall be called the Son of God because he will be the offspring of God, not born of a corruptible seed of man, but born of the incorruptible seed, which is God himself doing the work. And this should definitely bring up Genesis in your heart. Genesis 1 verse thirty three, where it says that the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Listen, the Spirit who was over the surface of the earth took the word of God and formed that which was in the mind of God. This is exactly the same as when we get to Mary. Here, The angel is bringing the word of God to the earth. Imagine like the word almost hanging between the angel and Mary. And it's kind of waiting there for Mary to agree. And when Mary agrees, the word of the angel would be planted like seed in her womb and create life by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? It's not the angel who gives the son. God gives the son unto us a child is born a son is given but the spirit of God the word is there who is the word Jesus and the spirit um, and God works together and immediately she's pregnant nothing weird happens okay so he continues by saying behold even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age And she who was called barren, isn't that beautiful, is now in her six months. For nothing will be impossible with God. Now this statement has been overused and completely abused. Nothing will be impossible with God. It is so true. But we cannot go and apply this to um, when we want a bigger vehicle, a bigger house, and um, everything for ourselves. I've seen this actually quoted when people go to the gym and they need to lift heavy weights. That is, if you're doing it, just stop. <laughs> because that's, that's really abusing the word of God. Um, this, this, when this statement is made, it is always made in context of what God is doing on the earth. What is God doing? Not that you are not blessed, not that you are, do- God wants to take care of you. And true, nothing is impossible with God. But when God is using these statements, He's using it in the scriptures when it is specifically referring to what God is about to do on the earth or what God has done on the earth. Okay. To bring salvation to man, to bring His will and His purposes into the earth. It's given in situations where things really are impossible elizabeth for example was definitely far beyond giving birth to a child and yet she does mary was a virgin really impossible to have a child and yet without natural power she is pregnant by the spirit of god okay these same things are said to sarah remember abraham and sarah and sarah who was without a child is given the promise. Now, Abraham and Sarah comes together and conceives a child. That's a supernatural quickening of Sarah's body, which was a promise of God. And there again, God is saying that nothing is impossible. Is Some translation says, is anything too hard for, for the Lord? Now, when we go back to the scripture here where it's given to Mary for nothing will be impossible with God, it's, in, it's really important we look at that word, nothing will be impossible to God. It shows actually that no word, is impossible. Okay. That's God's word has power. I like the ASV that says it like this, for no word from God shall be void of power. Wow. For no word from God shall be void of power. That's why it was so important and is so important. What I said last time, we need to be building our lives on the word of God and a revelation of the word of God, through the fulfillment of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ as Lord. Now we have power, okay? There's so much to be said about that, but that is very, very powerful, for no word from God shall be void of power, okay? So we continue, we're going to pull it all together at the end. Mary then says, okay, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. She doesn't say, okay, I said that. (laughs) Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The term servant carries the idea of humble nobility. Okay. I love how one writer wrote it. One who is some subservient to and entirely at the disposal of his master, a slave being God's servant is an honourable position in the Scriptures. Um, this is very beautiful. Okay, now remember, it's not the encounter with the angel that gave her faith. It was the Scriptures that the angels was the angel was bringing to her that was being made alive in her heart through this encounter, and through that she could surrender as a slave, a bond slave, um, and she could say. Come what may, I am now in the hands of the Lord. I have become a bond slave. Now, in the Old Testament, it's very beautiful to see that. Um, I think it's in Leviticus. I didn't put the scripture down here, but when we become, a, when a slave really loved his master and didn't want to be set free at the time where he could be set free, he could actually say, I want to be a bond slave. I want to be a servant of this master, um, by choice, by free will. And then they would go, I think they would pierce his ear. And that would be the mark that this slave is choosing, surrendering his will to the master because he has a good master who loves him and he loves the master. Wow. So we're going to, we, we will get to this, but let's continue. So this is also spoken of Abraham, that he was a servant of the Lord in Genesis 26, 24 in Numbers 12 or seven, Joshua is called a servant of the Lord in Joshua 24, verse 29. <clears throat> so is David to Samuel 7, 5 and Isaiah, Isaiah 20 verse 3. And even the Messiah Jesus is called God's servant in Isaiah 53 verse 11. So a surrendering of the will, a surrendering and saying, I'm at the disposal of the master. I am entirely his possession. So what do we take away from this today? Such a simple yet such a powerful message. First of all, we we need to hear that message in our own heart, resonating heart-like loudly in our own heart. When, when the angel says this, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. We need to hear him say that, um, I love this, to establish this kingdom and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. Okay? When we look at the world around us, it's so, we can be so quick. What, even it doesn't need to be the world outside. It can be a, a, our inside world, our homes, our work life, whatever we're struggling with. And we can get so distracted and discouraged by just normal things. We can take offense with people and get involved in things we shouldn't get involved in at all in our own heart. But God is saying his kingdom will have no end. You see, no matter what things look like around us, his kingdom in us has no end. If we will draw from it, as Jesus says, it will become a river of living water giving life to us. And I am daily learning to draw from that. It's so quick that we become aware of all our senses and everything around us. You see, this is not an excuse for a Christian to hide in the world and just be comfortable and go, oh, you know what? His kingdom will increase and I don't have to do anything about it. No, this is an activation of that which is inside of us. This is a a waking up to the reality that there is a kingdom that lives inside of us where peace and righteousness rules forever. We are no longer of this world, but we have been therefore by the Spirit of God who has made us a new creation we've been equipped to overcome whatever we may face in the world we have been equipped to bring god's kingdom to the earth as it is as he wants it as he declares it and that is really really powerful to his kingdom there shall be no end then the second thing i want us to to really take from this is nothing is impossible or like it should read for no word from God shall be void of power. You know, God's word is power. Jesus is power. It is the power to conceive that which was spoken of God. Now, I want to go back to that word that was used for conception, to take captive or to to take hold of. When we look at that word to be captive, where it's translated, like I said, in other parts of scripture, the same word is for captive but let's say captive or clasp we need to train ourselves to take God's word captive and I'm speaking to myself as well some things you face sometimes are really intense and very difficult and Christmas season and all the lights and all the decorations is not going to make it easier I know but I need you to hear this because we need to hear this we need to train ourselves to do what a woman's body does when it takes that seed captive is to take the word of god captive in our own hearts and gl- and grasp it and hold on to it and not let anyone shake or move or circumstance or doubt or feelings of insufficiency take the word the truth away from us of who we are because of what has happened by god sending salvation Look at Isaiah fifty-five verse eleven and watch this. It says there, "So will be my word, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it." For years, I read this as God's word being the promises that I hold on to or a promise that I take out of context and apply to my own situation. I, that's how I took it. You know, that's what I thought. But actually the reality is that is a type and shadow of Jesus, because who is the word of God according to John 1 verse 14? We saw it last week. Jesus, the word became flesh. Who is that? Jesus, God taking on flesh. Okay. So he's saying, Jesus, my word, which goes forth from my mouth, Jesus from God, will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. You need to know, beloved child of God, Jesus didn't return to God not accomplishing what God desired. Jesus went back with success in the matter for which he was sent. And the matter for which he was sent was to bring salvation to man so that we may receive the spirit of God who dwells in us now through faith when we believe and we become a new creation that's never existed before. We become, we are taken out of the seed of Adam and we are placed into the seed of Christ. Now we have become that which God has always desired since before the foundation of the world. Men who are able to fellowship with God, men and women who are able to fellowship with God, who are able to understand the scriptures, understand God in such a way that we bring his will on the earth, that we walk as he walked, lived as he lived, and are able to give his message to those who need it to reproduce according to who we are also in their lives, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Awesome. Isn't that awesome? Then the third thing we should take from this really is that Mary said yes. And what she was saying is, I surrender all without having to figure out what's going to happen next. She was surrendering herself completely into the hands of a master as his possession, trusting his goodness, and that now she has become his responsibility. Isn't that beautiful? When you said yes to the Lord, and what an encouragement, when we say yes to the Lord, which is the greatest definition of faith, yes, Lord, we are surrendering and saying we are your responsibility. And the outcome, no matter what it looks like, because she could have been killed for saying yes, her husband had every right to stone her, Not just that, she would be drawing her husband like what happened when the angel speaks to Joseph and Joseph does decide to marry her still. They would face a lifetime of shame, people gossiping about them, saying, oh, these people, who's going to believe a woman who says the Holy Spirit might be pregnant, okay? And yet, she didn't have to figure out all of that. Her part was to say yes and surrender in humble obedience to one who is saying, I'll take care of you. You are favored. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will accomplish this through you. Now we have become his responsibility. And in a way, without knowing, Mary was fulfilling a scripture by um, that wasn't even written then yet. But she was fulfilling what Jesus was speaking about in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, where he says to those who would listen, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In our surrendering to Jesus, in our surrendering to God as our Lord and as our Master who takes care of us as our Savior, we realize over and over, and especially in this Christmas time, That God's word is not void of power. Nothing is impossible with him because his word is not void of power. Jesus is not void of power. Jesus has accomplished what he needed to accomplish. And now salvation is ours through faith, not through being perfect or living according to some standard. We receive it by faith. And Jesus is still inviting those who are weary and heavy laden, those of us who want to try and figure it all out and wants to know how it's going to work out. All of for all of us, he is saying, you don't need to do that. That is depending on your strength. That is you becoming dependent on your seed, your natural birth, instead of saying, Father, I do not know how. And yes, to be honest, this time of the year I'm a bit I'm a bit weary, I'm a bit heavy, I'm a bit um tired of things saying you know father i come to you and i do what mary does i am your bond slave let it be done according to your word let it be done according to your word where i don't need to figure out what's next and every plan and every thing that needs to happen in this next season all i need to know is right now your yoke is easy and your burden is light and you will take care of that which you need to, to take care of because i am your responsibility So thank you, Father, for this word. Thank you for the wonderful truth that is in your word. And thank you that you are always good, always, always good, always loving and always kind. That you never get offended with us. You're never short-tempered with us. You're never chasing us away. But you are always drawing us to yourself, reminding us of who we are in you and what you have accomplished and what you have done through salvation. that we can come back to it and hold on to it and grasp it into our own hearts and say, you have done this, Lord, and I'm not letting it go. I'm taking the word of God captive in my own heart and I'm not letting it go until it produces what it needs to produce and it's successful in all that it needs to accomplish. Praise you, Father, for who you are That's him.